Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 86 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry MTG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Everyone, I'm lying down. And Gabriel Nassif. Hey, 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 what's up? Well, well, well. This is going to be a scuffed episode, I'm not going to lie. Um, as Pat just hinted at, he's lying in his bed. Are you with Teddy right now, Pat? Yeah, he's like lying next to me right now. And like my back's pretty sore as well. Okay, that's happening. I just had the COVID vaccine. I think I caught the cold as well. So I'm feeling absolutely horrendous. You can probably hear it in my voice. Um, and then, you know, Gab, how do you feel, Gab? <laughs> I'm feeling great. Okay, France so... just uh, qualified. I guess they were already qualified. They tied against Portugal and finished first of their group in the Euro. That group was crazy as well. Though. Yeah, it was a tough group. Four really good teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, enough about football. We're here to talk about magic, okay? It's going to be modern all week this week. I think we're going to be getting into more of how Modern Horizons 2 has really impacted the format. Now that we've played with and played against a lot of the cards that have been printed, um, we were talking off the cast, and I think it's going to be interesting to get into control and what these aggro decks are looking like now, etc. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get into the episode, as always, we're sponsored by Card Market. If you don't know what Card Market is, it's an online marketplace to buy anything card game related. It doesn't have to be Magic the Gathering, it could be Pokemon, it could be Yu-Gi-Oh. Go check them out, cardmarket.com. They're literally the best place in Europe to buy cards. Uh, go check them out. As well as, do you personally want to support the podcast? You can do so at patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. No pressure to do so, but we got to shell out, I'm not going to lie. And if you want to support us for free, just hit the follow button, hit the like, whatever you're listening on. Okay, I'm, I'm really pushing this week, I don't know why. Whatever. We're here to talk about magic. We're here to talk about modern. I believe Gabby played the most modern of all of us this week because of the world's announcement. So why don't you just take it away and let us know what you played with? Because of the world's announcement? <laughs> just trying to start uh, all something. I thought we'd probably have a short episode tonight. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they announced the price pool and the dates for worlds, and it's 250k, which... It's not the 1 million they had talked about a couple of years ago and the 1 million it was last year, but obviously it was uh, the way everything's going. Um, it wasn't surprising. And I wasn't really mad. I just kind of vented on Twitter and, you know, farmed the likes, the easiest likes of my life, literally. Um, you lose $750,000, but you got about 1,000 likes back in response. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's something that announced they cut prizes last year, 2 million because of COVID. They still had their best year despite COVID. So neither did they put that money back they had cut, but they made further cuts, which is, you know, I guess not surprising at this point, but still kind of, um, you know, morally, let's to say the nicest possible way, morally questionable, you know, yeah. Um, dubious yeah <laughs> so i haven't been super motivated to, to test for the last league weekend even though i'm dumb because it's still a decent bit of money but um yeah it's it's kind of weird we, I, we also i also noticed that literally no mpl player got a preview card for the next set i don't know if that's was done on purpose i'm assuming not but <laughs> I don't know, last time, none of the modern streamers, the MTGO modern streamers, got a modern Horizon 2 preview. That seemed kind of weird. Now, all of a sudden, no MPL players. I think there's one Rivals player who got a card that was 
Leverado. Um, I mean, whatever. I'm happy for people who got it. I don't even care that much. I was just wondering if it was a coincidence or not. Anyways. Um, I think it's a coincidence. 100%. Illuminati. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if it was a coincidence. I also wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to like sweat, sweep the NPL on their rug, you know. Um, but modern. Sorry, sorry to kind of put you off the train tracks there. What yeah. have you been playing? Yeah, so I tried a bunch of things this this week. I tried a really cool Monored Devotion. Had decent results with that. It's based around Mykthos, but more importantly, Harmonic, the card market preview, right? Harmonic Prodigy. Yeah, yeah, represent. How much um, can you buy them for on card market right now? Oh, we should check. If I go to card market's website, the amazing interface. Anyways, for this who forget what harmonic prodigy does it's a red and one one free prowess and it um, if an ability of a shaman or another wizards you control triggers that ability triggers an additional time so in this deck it works with seasoned pyromancer it works with burning tree emissary and it works with fanatic of mogus which is the the four two four four that deals damage when for for the red devotion you have when it enters the battlefield so i know you got a turn free kill as that's pretty sweet. But uh, yeah, it was funny because I saw the list. It was 5-0 from Raging Till Monster. And me and Twitch chat were kind of questioning Harmonic Prodigy or even considering cutting them all. And I played them and it was actually pretty good. And when I played another league with the deck, I did the fourth one. I think I went maybe like 4-1 and 3-2, something like that. Um, you do get Ragavan and Lightning Bolt as your one drop. And then the Prodigy, Burning Tree. A card that was pretty impressive was the Flame Tongue. Modern is just super creature-based right now, and it has two Devotion for two mana, so that's a pretty good, good deal. Seasoned Pyromancer, as good as always. I played the, the Spike Special, the Leyline of Combustion, cut the Goblin Chain Whirlers. And uh, another change I made was playing for Smashings. That card was, I think that was a good change, Shatter Skull Smashing. And another cool thing we did is just threw in a bunch of pathways because you're a mono red deck so you don't care about blood moon and basically as long as you have enough basics to get a mountain every time they feel a renew or path you you know you need like four five six basics and the pathways help you you know the very corner case where you hit a, a card of ragavan and you need a green mana a blue mana whatnot also added wear tear to the sideboard so you know, you get the shatter part, and then for white, you have a couple Sombe Canyon and the Four Needle Verge Pathway. So it's basically almost all upside. I think the one card that punishes you is maybe Archon of Amiria, which no one really plays. So that deck was pretty cool. Um, the deck's oh. got some like interesting, interesting positional advantages. Um, I mean, access to Wear Terror on the sideboard is obviously a big, a big gain, and it's something that we, I've been putting in a lot, a lot of the sideboards of my decks lately. But I really like the idea of it just going over the top of like the kind of grindy grindy attrition decks like food like they don't really interact with things that's you know sending eight damage to the face over and over again very well so the idea of this deck is just to play harmonic prodigy and just a load of shamans and whatever i mean ideally you 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 kill them you get crazy kills with harmonic prodigy into burning tree get four mana play a bunch of cards you know kind of accelerate with make those Sometimes you win with Ragavan, sometimes you win with the trigger, sometimes you just win a grindy game with Seasoned Pyromancer. It's it's a pretty solid deck. Uh, 
the sideboard felt a tiny bit underwhelming. These I don't love the great travels. They're kind of a catch-all sideboard cards, and you know, Relic of Progenitus is a fine card. Void Mirror was pretty good against me uh, against uh, the Rhino deck, the Cascade deck. But I'm not even sure I played against Food was that deck. I honestly don't remember. I think I was I was getting paired against a lot of creature decks and doing decent against that. Anyways, I gave it a couple leagues. Pretty fun. I don't think the deck's busted or anything. But um, if, if people want to try it out, uh, it, it was it, it felt competitive. You know, you you've got four ragavans for a lightning bolt. How how bad can it be? That's definitely going to be the, the the central focus of a lot of our discussion this week. Yeah, I mean, to kind of trail on from that, you know, you say four Ragavan, four Lightning Bolt. That's exactly what I did in Modern this week. Um, I saw McWin Sauce, and I saw that someone won a challenge with Jeskai Stoneblade. I don't know if it was this week they won the challenge or whatever. But I actually got recommended it as a YouTube video. So uh, I watched their YouTube video, saw them pilot it. And I was like, you know, F it. Let's, let's play a bit. And, of course, it's just Stoneblade with uh, four Bolt, four Ragavan. And uh, yeah, it was terrible. I'm not going to lie. I think that right now at Modern, anything can do well if you're playing Ragavan. Um, I've basically played aggro decks with Ragavan, mid-range decks with Ragavan, control decks with Ragavan. Like any red deck wants Ragavan in their sideboard. I feel like all of these decks are just so good because you play Ragavan in them. And honestly, the games where I don't draw Ragavan, uh, you lose. So... You know, that's what I feel when I hear you say that you're playing mono red, whatever, and it's like, yeah, you have four Ragavan, right? <laughs> Am I wrong here? I think Ragavan is insane. If you're playing red, you have to play it. If you're playing a bad deck, just splash red and play it. Kind of reminds me of Uro and Oko. Um, yeah, th- this card is definitely pushed, and I think it's having a big impact on the format. It's an interesting position. Like, I think you're 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 onto something in the sense that like it's becoming this kind of ubiquitous card that people are kind of building, building their decks around, like having access to it. And it, it like dictating that red is red becoming one of the most played colors or, but Ragavan, unlike Uro or whatnot is like, has puts a large amount of constraint on your mana. So like casting turn one Ragavan is really important, right? Like it, it loses its value as the game goes on. So, you know, it invariably makes you play a lot of red sources or a lot of fetches to get red on turn one. Like, you really need to have access to it on turn one. Whereas, like, you know, splashing for, like, Oko or Uro is, like, it doesn't really matter if you're casting on turn three. It's just really, really good at any point in the game when you cast it. So it's a little bit different in that respect. But I definitely agree that it's kind of pushed red-based decks of all sorts of flavor to the forefront of the metagame. And... Is that a healthy thing? I don't know. But it's it, it's interesting to see a one-drop that's not like... A, a red one-drop in particular that's not like Golden Guide or Monastery Swift Spear or whatever, which is just like, if it connects a couple of times, like the game's over. At least Ragavan's like doing something different and putting different incentives. Wait, what? But as, is that even if true, it connects though? a couple of times, the game is over, though. I, <laughs> I, I've beaten a couple hits of Swift Spear, I don't, so I don't know if I've beaten a couple hits of Ragavan yet. I've honestly... I, I've I've survived more hits than I really thought I was going to if my opponent's been, like, aggressive. Like, if they've been, like, a deck that's trying to, like, not so much burn, but, like, if they were, like, a Red Prowess-style deck and they Ragavan me, like, it's not that. It's not the end of the world. It's only four damage. The the real problem has been when it's, like, adding mana, to, you know, stockpiling mana and that, and and letting you cast kind of, like, you know, count reactive spells or extra removal spells or whatnot, which is, 
you know, been the aspect that I didn't really quite anticipate being so good. I just look at it like, you know, we're talking about like dark confident or whatever, like the, the card advantage ruins you, but it's actually the, like the manner advantage that, that, that makes it a real, really oppressive card, I think. Yeah, I agree. The card, I mean, it's you don't get it that often. Occasionally, I've gotten like Inquisition parties here and there, but uh, I've had some absolute bangers off of it. (laughs) The the yeah, the extra mana, especially when you're playing Archmage Charm Cryptic, like kind of expend more expensive cards. Um, Pretty nasty. I'm not sure it's as clear cut, but if you look at the results, Blue Red Prowess without Dragavan won one of the challenges, and it's a deck that's been doing. One of the decks that's been doing the best, I think, maybe because it, it it preys on auto ragavan decks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's perfectly set up. It's like a good lava dart deck, and lava dart's perfect against both really good red one drops from this new set. Exactly. So there might be that little rock paper scissors where you know, as a living, you know, as a living end player, I'd rather play against traditional is it prowess that has. A lot of these, uh, you know, the prowess run drops and not too many counter spells in the main deck. Uh, then I would, you know, then I would against a deck was Ragavan and 12 counters or something because Ragavan turn one's way more threatening. You get a couple treasures and all of a sudden you have mana for double counter spell really easily. Uh, but on the other hand, on the head to head, you know, I, I'm guessing the, I haven't played these matches, but I'm guessing the traditional is a prowess deck is going to be advantage against. A deck, as you said, that you know, whether it's Delver, Ragavan, or or Dragon Ray Chandler, all have or can have one toughness. Um, yeah, one toughness. The way I look at it, though, is this is just reminding me of back in the day when Uro was first printed. I mean, we saw literally every deck do what basically is happening right now with Ragavan, right? Like Infect was playing Uro. I remember Jun splashing for Uro. That's what everyone's doing, and we're kind of. Still looking for that perfect Ragavan deck. When I look at this like blue-red deck that you've pointed out, I mean, it's full of every answer for Ragavan, right? It beats Ragavan. It kind of reminds me of how, like, I don't know, I guess Dredge came back or whatever when, when Uro was getting popular and then people solved that matchup on the Uro side. I feel like Ragavan's more problematic than Urza's Saga, in my opinion, because I think that just the way it plays out is so linear and you'll never not want to turn one Ragavan and it's you know it's I mean it's even annoying even when you have the removal spell because these decks that play Ragavan always have follow-up and you also play cards like Dragon Rage Channeler or other premium one drops right I think that's kind of the problem that I'm seeing with the card is that it's like a one it it's like Karn the Great Creator for example you know on its own it's so powerful and then every deck can kind of play it because every good deck in modern right now is playing red. I don't know if I agree. I think Urza Saga might still be, and is probably still the best card out of the set, and the the scarier card and the more like likely card to get banned. Regiment's just more of a field bad card. When you're on the draw, they have it on turn one, and you know you're you don't have your removal spell. You don't have, uh, you, you know your turn one just like turn one thoughtsies or something. You just feel so bad. So. I'm not sure. I will say we're we haven't really done our homework. I think none of us have really played was a card Urza Saga. I think I played one league was an Urza Saga deck, so kind of bad on us, I guess. But the the card yeah. has still been doing real well. I think Titan's probably the best Urza Saga deck, but the the food decks have still been been doing real well. I think winners of the challenge this weekend was Is it Press on on one of the days, and then. Blue red uh, food 
was Ragavan, Urza, Asmore, Cookbook, Shell, etc. the other day. Yeah, that was the the winner of the Saturday challenge, I believe. Uh, they beat Canister in the finals, and Canister was playing Anima. So it was Saga versus Saga in the finals. And the blue red the blue red deck came out on top. And that's kind of a flavor of uh the food deck that I was kind of at least like theory crafting my way towards when when the when the set was set was released or after the first week at least. And you know, these kind of Emery, Bauble, Urza, Urza shells that go around the food package just because you get so many more incidental artifacts that way. And something to do with all the tokens and making a lot of mana is like it's a pretty powerful shell. I do, I do think it's a, a a knock against our preparation that we haven't played with any with any of these decks yet. And I, I might try and rectify that this week actually. Yeah, totally. I might I might get my hands on some Urza Saga finally and try to play all the busted cards in the same deck. I was surprised Harry you thought that Jeskai deck was trashed though the Jeskai Stone Fortune Mystic. I don't think Stone Fortune Mystic is busted, but I felt like it was pretty solid overall, especially with the new uh the new equipment. I felt the power was real I, I played a bit with that deck uh the week before last and I really felt that the power was just tied into Ragavan draws and everything else was kind of like I was really kind of working for it every, everywhere else. You do but have to between, work for it yeah. between the kind of like you know, the solid enough shell of, like, Blue-White Stone Blade with the upside of Turn 1 Ragavan. I felt like the deck was powerful enough. I think the problem I was running into, though, is, like, right now, everyone's trying to play Urza's Saga or they're trying to play Ragavan, right? And if you're playing either of those, you're you're almost either loaded up with removal or you're good against control, right? Because the Saga is very good against control. So, you know, whenever I had the Turn 1 Ragavan, the Turn 2 Stoneforge, I'm, like, almost always running into removal... If I'm holding back, let's say I'm not playing those to play around removal, they're playing heavy hitters like Dragon Rage Channeler, you know, heavy hitter two drops, they've got Luris, whatever. You know, I always felt behind. I always felt like I'm clawing at literally like the most little amount of value that I can get. Archmage's Charm is the best thing you can do turn three, but you always have to hold up a counterspell or something. Yeah, I wasn't dashing Ragavan as well in the Jeskai decks because I feel like you never have the time to spend that sort of mana. Whereas, like, when I was playing something, for example, like Spikes, Grixis, um, Luris, Dragon Rage, Chandler deck, I found that that deck, you had way more time to dash Ragavan, even though you played four Counterspell. So I think that what the problem is, is that Ragavan's too good to not play it, but <laughs> if your opponent has literally anything, I feel like you're just behind, unless you obviously have the Force of Negation, so... That's why I really didn't like it. I mean, okay, I could have had a bad sample size because I only played, what, five matches and I went 3-2. I lost to Dredge and... Um, oh, the Mirror, maybe? I, I don't know. But I, I just wasn't liking it. I always felt, you know, it's the classic Stoneblade. It's actually the classic Stoneblade. You're, like, always 48 49%. And, yeah, you can outplay the opponent, but I feel like if I bring it to, an, like, an actual tournament, I feel like I'm just going to get destroyed. I really liked Caldra Complete as well. Sorry, last thing to point out. Yeah, go for it. The problem I have with this card is you can't bounce it to your hand like Batterskull. So when you're playing against a deck, let's say Eldrazi is a good one. Um, you know, the first strike is insane against Eldrazi because you just kill it. But the problem is, let's say they land an Ugin and they kill the germ. Well, you can't bounce it. So, you know, it's stuck in your hand. Seven mana to equip is an insane rate. And the only kind of good interaction, quote-unquote, is like bouncing it to mine with Cryptic Command or bouncing it to mine with Teferi. 
and you know all of this stuff just it felt so weak like i could the reason why i hate it is because why am i playing Stoneblade? like why am i paying four mana for a five five when i could like i don't know play ragavan turn one have force of negation guarantee because i'm in four my deck or spell pierces and whatnot play blood moon as well just doesn't feel right in the format especially because of how aggressive people are right now and I feel like you're behind against everyone. Prove me wrong, please. I, I, I'm actually interested. Maybe. Okay, all right. So I think the the criticism that Jessica is actually relatively fair. I think it's a really it does a really poor job of spending the extra mana that um, that Ragavan can provide. And so like that's why you don't feel like you can dash it because you don't you don't you don't have enough one mana spells. Maybe you know the deck was really just like lightning bolts, prismatic ending, and and Ragavan. Whereas like you know, maybe these kind of blue-red Delver shells or this Grixis thing that you were talking about that the Aspiring Spike have been playing is kind of, you know, it's got some Serum Visions and it's got some Discard Spells. It'll, it's got Dragon Rage Channels as well, so extra one-drops to spend your mana on. And so it's taking, taking advantage of Rag, Ragavan a little bit better that way, whereas uh, the Jeskai deck is, you know, quite reactive and a little bit kind of, like, higher up on the curve. So, yeah, not, not taking full advantage of Ragavan in that respect. It also lines up nicely against, you know, if people are, like, packing, like, red removal, it's, like, pretty good in that spot. And, you know, it's good against fatal pushes, it's good against red removal, it's, like, really bad against prismatic endings and path to exiles. So, you know, it's kind of got its, got its good spots, it's got its bad spots. And I think after playing, you know, I played a bunch of with Stoneforge Mystic and Calder Complete now, I think that at this point I could, I would say that it's worth the third equipment slot, but I'm not being impressed with Stoneforge Mystic overall in general. Yeah, I haven't been blown away by the deck. I haven't played it in a while, but I did play it for a while. Uh, you know, a league and a, a bunch of leagues and a challenge. And I thought it was a good Ragavan deck. I thought, you know, you got in spots where you got to dash and equip with Sword. You got in spots where you had to Fairy Time Raveler and you just dashed a Ragavan so they could never fatal push it. And I think that any deck that plays Jace is does a decent job at using the, the treasures. If anything, yeah, I feel like a deck like that. I mean, uh, the, the other versions of Blue Red are also good at using the treasures because you have four charms, four iterations in some versions, so you, you, you don't run out of cards super easily, and you have the Islets too. But uh, I was even, you know, hard casting Caldera Complete with the, the treasures. And Stoneforge, I thought the best part about it was just getting Batter Skull even if your Stoneforge died, you just cast turn five Batter Skull and a lot of matchups that was just super, just super game winning. And I've been on the other side too of just playing these decks that are like, oh god, you know, they they have a I killed a Stoneforge, but in a couple of turns they're gonna play Batter Skull and I don't have a great answer to it. So I think it has some decent things going for it. You get some nice sideboard options too. Wear Terror is like pretty cool card against Urza Sagas and Dryads and it might be a bit worse if the format just goes to more of these blue-red decks or more artifact-based and less uh, targets for the enchantments, you know, less less blood potential where you get to fuse wear tear. But um, yeah, I think that deck's fine. Canister made top eight was that deck. He went, not the greatest record. I think he, he went 5-2, got in on breakers, and then lost in the quarters. So... But he thought it was good enough to play in the challenge the day after he he made the finals and probably should have won was um was just a pretty straightforward build of Titan. 
So, yeah. What else? I played some more Living End. I played it in the Saturday Challenge. Went uh, pretty solid five and three. Some some tough matchups, some some tough draws. I, I think I tried some stuff out. I hadn't had really time to uh, to experiment with the deck this week. I played a basic forest. I played a gemstone cavern. Did not like the cavern. Never came up for me. Maybe I'm just unlucky. Uh, I did miss the sunken runes. I, I I had to make some cuts. I I I cut the sunken runes and. I felt like maybe the Gemstone Cavern was a sunken runes in a couple of my games. I could have maybe won by uh, suspending living ends, etc. Hard casting griefs. That that uh, sunken runes is it's uh, punched above its weight. Every time I've watched you play it, you know, yeah, like you said, like hard casting grief was uh, a big a big part of it. And also, I've seen a couple of games we suspend living end. It, it it does quite it does quite a lot for that deck without asking very much. Yeah. Uh... It does. It also, you know, I've definitely got it screwed. My only lane in my opening hand, or it not being a fetch land and me missing my red. So it is. It is super hard to evaluate. I'm not even sure the first copy is worth it, even though I've definitely used it to to win games. Um, yeah, I think the the one the one land aspects are a really important point, actually. So one of the powers of that living end deck is that it doesn't really worry about what its opening hand is particularly. Because if it doesn't have its combo pieces in hand, it has cyclers in hand. And so you can just keep basically anything and just cycle into, you know, what what should be a reasonable hand of lands and spells. And so, yeah, having, having those one land hands get shut out when you draw Sunken Ruins as your one land is uh, a bit unfortunate. But, I mean, you kind of don't really mulligan a huge amount with that deck, I guess. So, you know, maybe, maybe you can afford the equity there. I don't know. Yeah, that's what's so interesting about deck building. Everything is given, nothing is free, right? There's almost no cards, no lands, no anything that is good enough that is the 100% right to play for sure, you know? Um, so it's everything Everything you do, sure, you're going to gain a few percentage there, but they're worth it overall. Anyways, um, what else did I experiment uh, with? I added a couple... Um, Wind Color Ravens, just another one mana cyclers, and cut a Waker of Waves, even though Waker of Waves is a super nice body and sometimes it's the best cycling card you can have. It can also definitely be a little clunky if you're stuck on one or if you have too many, you draw too many and you can't cycle through them fast enough. So I think I've liked that change. That's kind of getting in the nitty gritty of things, but since it's the deck I've been working the most on, you know, why not? I'm still on defense. With Brazen Borrower, I feel like you don't really need the card, but it is still a good catch-all. It is a, a, a good, you know, still a blue card you can pitch. Still been liking Subtlety. I even went up to three in the main deck. I think I would still maybe keep two. Same for Force 2 in the main, two in the sideboard. And sideboard, I'm kind of sold on just Fairy Macabre at your graveyard hate. And maybe Extra Endurance, but I don't have them right now. I like Force of Vigor, I like Foundation Breaker, I like Ingot Sure Seal, and Damping Matrix is kind of the anti-food card. That card's been decent for me so far. Probably need a few more reps, but it stops everything they do, and it stops their Graveyard Hate, which is usually Crips and, and Soul Guide Lantern, so that card's been good. Maybe it's a card that's also not played enough in, in the other sideboards. I know I played the league was a blue red deck, and I just threw one in my sideboard because I was like, why not? Why not? You know. Um, so it'd be cool. To, it'll be interesting to see if that card picks up stock or not. 
Is Brazen Bar the only adventure creature you play? Yeah, I don't think Stomp is is good enough to justify the spot. Brazen yeah. Bar is, you know, somewhat of a clean answer to a chalice or a bridge. It's I'm not sure. Maybe maybe you could play Foundation Breaker, but there's a lot of the Incinerary Bridge decks that also have Welding Jar, so I've definitely gotten in spots where I actually drew my main deck Breaker, but they had a Bridge and Welding Jar, so I kind of wish it was a Brazen Borer. Um, I've played against a lot of Chalice of the Boys this week as well. Yeah. Really? Yeah, heaps. Who's playing Chalice? I played, oh, like, I played against it in like uh, like a... The like a bring to light scapeshift deck. I played it out of the. I played against it in, uh, spirit sideboard. Yeah, I played against it in those two matchups, and I played. I played against spirits twice, and it was in the sideboard twice. Can you get chalice from Urza Saga? No, it's not. It doesn't cost explicitly zero or one. Right. I mean, I I I've actually watched a lot of um Ragavan Chandler gameplay, and I've seen like over the past week. Honestly, every time. The living end opponent has had brazen borrower it's always been so great because it blocks um dragon rage channeler that's one thing i kind of wanted to like mention have you had that come up a lot or because i literally i think i saw every match that someone was playing brazen borrower they blocked a channeler well um, i haven't played with borrower much so it doesn't come up as much for me there's a lot of versions the old version used to play four and some people are still on that list, even though, you know, I think grief is better. And when you have four grief, you don't really have need to have so many borers. But I've always liked Brazen Borrow less than most in almost every deck it's played in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, to your point, yeah, Chalice. I, I played against main deck Chalice, that Murphle deck. Uh, Nikachu is his name? Nikachu. Nikachu, he almost made top eight, and he had, I think he had four Chalice in the main, two, something like that, so I, I lost to Chalice main deck this week, uh, but yeah, a ton of Chalice in the sideboard, people played them, I mean, people used to play it in the sideboard of humans, they played it in the sideboard of Niv, you can literally throw it in any sideboard, you know, as an answer to the Cascade spells, um, especially if, you know, you don't want to play Voidmare, because it's going to counter some of your own spells, Chalice is... A nice one, even though it does have the downside that you can't just pile pile up chalices for zero since the next one counters the one, you know, the one you haven't played counters the next one. So I'm not sure if you want four of that cards because... It is yeah. a really flexible card, though. Like, it doesn't, ex- not explicitly for Cascade. I mean, against these Delvedex, if you just put it on one, it's pretty good. Yeah, but do you, do you, do you want four against the Delvedex as well? Uh, hmm. I don't know. I, I played against it. It's, it's been pretty pretty rough. I mean, you, you still have like nice answers if you're playing cards like Prismatic Ending or whatnot. You know, you can just X is equal to two, yeah, uh, and, and get around it. But at the same time, like, it seems like a, if you're looking to like have hate cards against Cascade, it's a great place to start because it gives you a bit of splashdown. You know, it gives you cards you can bring in, in other matchups as well. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I actually been beating the food decks this week. I didn't play a ton though. Like, I think free matches. I won all free, which. Felt like I was getting unlucky. So maybe the matchup is not as bad as I thought. Because I, I remember when I was losing to the deck was living in, I thought I was getting a little unlucky. I saw I saw Death Matrix be really good. Was that a big part of many of your wins? It was in one game, it seemed really, really good. I think I only drew it really once where it was 
but it, it it did feel like pretty game winning the the one game yeah um i also tried leyland at some point i had it i had one had one in my opening hands so that was nice but i'm not even sure it mattered that much um so the question is is it the real deal is it actually a good deck it's tough. I think the matchup against the Ragavan, Force of Negation, Archmage, Counterspell decks is pretty bad. I think the deck's pretty good against... I've been doing really well against Blue-Red Prowess, just kind of stock Blue-Red Prowess. And against Food, seems like it's close to a flip. I've been doing well against Ad Nauseam. Uh, Titan, I actually got to play against Titan for the first time and lost a close one. In what I felt like I should have maybe won, but I think for a game they mulligan to five, but then they had like a really good opening hand and some good top decks, so it, it was it was it was close because I got in spots where I couldn't living in because they had I had countered a titan or I had made them discard a titan was grief and my living in wasn't strong enough to overpower titan. You know, you get in these these spots where your your living end's not not necessarily game winning, and they have the one bajuka bug. You have to be careful; they they can kill you. Um, was a good. It, it seemed I thought it would be a good matchup, but the the games were close, and I ended up losing. Um, you know, I thought my cards should line up well. Stuff like foundation breaker after sideboard, and even force of vigor, subtleties, etc. But yeah, subtleties a big gain in that matchup. Even grief seemed like. Should be a big game, but I guess if they're fretting the Titan, you have to take the Titan, and after that, uh, you know, your only only cascade spell is Charlotte's agent, and you give them an attack instead of it being violent outburst where you can just do it and then return. Um, yeah, so it, it had you know the kind of matchup that has these layers where it's not just one you know kind of clear cut path to victory and only plays one way. Yeah, it's definitely a matchup that's like got a fair amount of a fair amount of play to it, and surprising considering you you know you essentially when you think about a combo versus combo matchup, it's kind of like you think two ships passing in the night, but really both decks have got like subtle ways of kind of like interacting with with the other. Yeah, it was maybe not the most representative in match because I think I got it was a game where I I got stuck on two lands in game one, despite cycling like twenty times, and then. You know, game. Yeah, it was. It was like not super, maybe representative games, but it was still an interesting match. And, and you know, it was always cool to play an, you know, against one of the top tier decks for the first time. You say you were um, you you were beating ad nauseum. I actually you know, took a bit of like a deviation from our usual beaten path this week, and I played a lot of ad nauseum. I played. I think I, I think I played thirty matches with ad nauseum this week. Uh, it's just really fast to play. Like I, you can just finish a match in like six minutes. So it's just it's perfect for kind of fitting in fitting in with my lifestyle at the moment. I didn't have any like I didn't have any ragavans or those sagas or anything on my account as well. So I was like, I can just play this deck. It's fine. It's like free. So I just I just played that and I did really well actually. I think I was like twenty five and five over thirty matches, and I actually played against Living End three or four times and I, I beat it I beat it each time and. The version I was playing is a little bit different to one that was uh, being kind of pushed by Sodek on his Twitter recently, where I was playing. Essentially, essentially, this is no longer an ad nauseum deck. It just has two copies of ad nauseum. It's just a kind of Angel's Grace uh, 
Oracle spoils of the vault. Yeah, Thassa's Oracle spoils of the vault deck. And the, the gain of Profane Tube has been really good. Like, you still have a couple of copies of Ad Nauseam, which are really good for kind of just, like, drawing, you know, threatening something end step. You know, just casting cast Ad Nauseam in the end step of the control player's turn. And, you know, if it resolves, you draw a bunch of cards and they can't really win. Or they counter and your, your shields are down. The shields are down. Uh, but the, the version I was playing actually had access to, like, two Pack Negation and four Thoughtseize in the main deck. So I felt like I had a pretty good, pretty good time interacting with the combo de- with the control decks from the combo deck side. And when I was playing as Living, it didn't feel very good, but I was beating it again with like a couple of timely thought seizures here or there, you know, picking apart the small amount of interaction. But it, it felt like a deck that was pretty well positioned against certain aspects of the format, at least at the start of this week, which is na- namely that you know food is like a deck that's really good at attrition. So it's really hard to grind against, but it doesn't have a huge amount of interaction. So I, I feel like that that's a real that was a really good matchup. And then also decks like Amulet Titan, like you just kind of like blind racing, but you're a deck with disruption and you know a bunch of ways to, to kind of like interact essentially with the other combo deck, which gives you a pretty reasonable advantage in that spot. So I do think they're living in matchups really close though, and like you know, the force of negations, the subtleties, even endurance, like endurance getting you to shuffle like some of the cards back into your library when you go to Thassa's Oracle is like a, a real a real a real subtle play. And actually one that came up out of both uh Living End and out of Titan that uh unfortunately I got to see coming because I thought season. But, well I, ne- I never even thought about that. I, I don't have endurance in my sideboard anymore, but even when I did I didn't think that was a way to stop the combo. Uh, there was actually a really nice, I had a really nice game where I played, like, I played, I saw the Endurance in their hand, and I played out a, a second Oracle the turn before, like, I waited a turn to go off, I played out a second Oracle so that I could, like, have four cards, have Devotion of Four, so I could get the four, I could, like, actually still combo through the four, four cards in my graveyard. I thought I, I felt like a, an absolute genius when that happened. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, like, sk- subtle way of interacting, and uh, the Titan player actually was the first person to really kind of do it against me, and they kind of where they summoned his pack to, in response to me comboing. I was like, "Is this going to kill me?" Oh wait, no, I've only got one card in my graveyard. It's fine, or two cards in my graveyard. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. And so I was really impressed with that nauseam actually. But I think the rise of these kind of blue Ragavan decks, a Ragavan counterspell decks, is too too much for that that, that deck to really handle. Yeah, I agreed. I think that matchup's probably pretty horrendous. I, I've yeah. played twice from the Ragavan counter side, and that's you know kind of the dream matchup for for your deck. They do have, I guess, Oracle. They can play it as a block run too, but you still have Lightning Bolts. Yeah, exactly. I, there's a lot of redundancy in that Ad Nauseam deck, which is something I've been really impressed with. I really like that you have kind of like you know seven Angels Grace effects. You have essentially six Spoils of the Vaults between the four Spoil of the Vault and the two Ad Nauseam. And then you have like four Oracle, but you also have the four Profane Tutor. So it's really quite easy to set up a kind of situation where you can, you know, get something countered and have redundant redundant backup, or you know, go get the Pact Negation in the right spot. But at the same time, yeah, challenging matchup. The version that Sodek was playing was was playing and, and, and pushing had zero thoughts, and he just had a lot more cantrips and the third Pact Negation in the main. But if I think about it, I, I I really didn't like that didn't like that approach. I think that interacting and kind of seeing what you're up against and clearing the way is actually far more reasonable than just trying to like assemble like one pact. I felt better like 
trying to punch a hole and then maybe going to get disruption with profane shooter later on. But I can see the benefits of also just having more sleight of hands in the deck. That's interesting. Interesting deck that was seen well positioned about a week ago, and if that kind of like semi interactive combo deck is is your jam, then uh, you sh- you should you should think about dust- picking it up and dusting it off because it's fun to play, it's fast to play, and I think it's got some pretty good matchups in the form- format right now. Yeah, I, I lost to that deck was living in before I had grief, and I think since I don't know if I played twice against it or three times, but I don't think I've lost a game since I did grief. I know you said you beat the grief version when you were playing against it, but yeah, they're all grief versions for me. It's it's felt pretty easy. I mean that that deck is it's almost unlosable. If you have grief plus a living in, you get to grieve them twice. They can almost never like. Reassemble the combo fast enough, and after sideboard, you get more interaction. Foundation Breaker is actually pretty good against them, whether it's to slow them down on the artifacts or get rid of unlife. So yeah. I think I said this to you when we were, when you were on stream. Actually, though, like I I was four and zero against, and I didn't think it was very good for me. Yeah, one card that's surprisingly good against them is Subtlety too, because the way the the Oracle deck works now is much more all in and less resilient and you know sometimes they still get the ad nauseum killed but a lot of time it's just assembling oracle plus these two cards and just even really you want almost any interaction you can and get can get i was i was as being a bit light on the interaction the first time i played against it too i don't think i was boarding well so i played against a few subtleties and they were quite difficult to play against but really what was happening is i was just Maybe it was coming up in situations where I'd like thought seize their violent outburst or whatnot, and they hadn't found a replacement yet. And so when they were when they were subtleting me, it was really just a purely just kind of memory lapse subtlety, and I was just going in the next turn. Yeah, because you don't you don't have to commit in that spot. Like you just cast the oracle first, and if it resolves and trigger in a sec, then you just cast your other spells. So. They're not necessarily like that big of a deal if your disruption package interacts not p- positively with theirs, with with their hand. And the that's one, I... one of the weaknesses to um, the the version that with no thoughts is that Sodak was was playing as well. It's kind of you're kind of like a slave to whatever their interaction is, whereas like you can you can actually make the game a little bit kind of grimy and mucky with with a, with a card like um. With a card like Thoughtseize, where you maybe you can have a game where you just go Thoughtseize, Thoughtseize, and cast Ad Nauseam off your Lotus Bloom and draw like 10 cards, which is, came up a bunch of times for me. This deck honestly just seems like <laughs> kind of like playing Blue Red Storm, you know, like eight months ago. Like it works, you know, like it does its stuff, but it's really not that good. I've played against this deck like two, three times now. The only time I've lost is when they had literally everything, like the thoughtsies, the counters, and the combo and whatnot, and the profane tutor. You know, I feel like you need so much to compete, and I'm playing mono Ragavan decks right now. Maybe I'm biased, but I mean, if you're struggling against Ragavan, you're doing it wrong in the format, right? You have to be good against, or at least be okay with playing against either a Ragavan or a Saga. And I... I just feel like this deck honestly is so like I think it's like playing like blue white miracles right now. Like it does the job. It's okay. Nah, nah, no. Controls controls atrocious. Yeah. Okay, well okay. It's a bad Ragavan alone is not that scary. It's Ragavan backed up by like a lot of counter spells and whatnot. I'm guessing it's not that bad against 
blue red food ragavam. Uh, another card that's scary though. I- I'd be worried about Teferi. Didn't you just lose a bunch of games to Teferi's pass? It was like a Lotus yeah, I, Bloom and a Profane Tutor on. I, de- I definitely lost a lot of game ones, but post board I had like three Spellpierce in my sideboard, and I would just Spellpierce them. Okay, yeah, uh, that's another card that I'd be kind of scared of. I, I, I definitely just agree. So very, very scary it just card. it just seems like you need so much like to co- just compete with like most of the average yeah. decks that you're going to see, right? You have a decent bit of cantrip, redundancy, and now you have the new tutor, so it's actually pretty good at selling its Perfect combo. Tutor was, a big game. was one back, back up this card or counter. I felt like it wasn't really very difficult for me to assemble, get into a spot where I could I resolve a thought season, and then I also was like comboing with backup, with like a, with a, um, with a pack back. Yeah. Relatively frequently. I was also getting in spots where like, I don't know, maybe this was just kind of uh, survivorship bias, essentially, where I was just spoils of the vaulting for, you know, I, had a se- I drew a second spoils of the vault, and I'm like, yeah, cool, I can spoils for spoils for a thought season or spoils for a pact, and like, I just didn't die on the spot, <laughs> which, you know, can happen. Yeah. Anyways, what else did... did you I, thought you, you played a bit of Control, Harry? I feel like Control is... So bad, honestly. I got I actually got tricked tricked myself into playing Jeskai Control on some in the Sunday challenge, and I had the Rag events, but only yeah. in my sideboard for when I would be on the play or when it would be a really good matchup for Ragavan. And I, I went, I got, I got Justice. Justice was serve. I went O free drop. Um, you know, uh, Control's just atrocious. It's the threats are too good. You know, you yeah. always say that. We've been saying that for a while, but. What, what, which, I mean, I think control is not great, like you're saying, but I feel like prismatic ending is like kind of, you know, letting us hang on thin string. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy to play control right now, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel great. Um, that's how I feel about it, honestly. I feel like if you're putting Ragavan in your deck and you're playing prismatic ending and Archmage's Charm, you can't go wrong, right? But I just don't think those. I don't think those decks are explicitly control. I think the best setup for that is to be kind of Delverish, and we've seen a lot of Delver decks do well recently as well. Like I, mean, I we've we've spoken like around Dragon Rage Channel and how powerful that card is, all episode essentially. And maybe it was time that we just kind of spoke about how good that card actually really is in detail. I, I the card is just amazing. It's like it's everything you want Delver to be. Like Delver of Secrets, it's a is you know sometimes it's. A, a little bit faster to turn on, like if you turn one Delver and flip it, but for the rest of the game in a, in a format like Modern in particular, Dragon Race Channeler is just a pre-flipped Delver that also provides you with card selection. I can't tell you how many like lands I've scried into the graveyard this week and just being like, this is amazing. Like I'd just be casting like my cantrips and just scrying away lands. Like it it makes serum visions into like preordained that scries afterwards. I don't know, it's incredible. I, I I've just been so impressed with that card. It just it hits hard. It's it's flipped in the mid to late game all the time and yeah it's almost it's almost the better one drop than ragavan really like if you average average it's like impact on the game over the entirety of the game like obviously ragavan is better on turn one but like almost every turn after that i think the dragon rage channel is a better card yeah i mean i completely agree with you i did play a load of channeler um last week and that was in primarily no it was only in like four force of negation four charm like cheap loads of cheap spells 
Chandler's uh, Dragon Rage Chandler is really, really powerful. I really liked it. I just think that um, what do I think? I think it's really good, but I think that if you're playing Dragon Rage Chandler, you're not, you know, they go together, right? They go together. Um, and I don't really know how to feel about the card. I mean, it's very, very powerful, but I don't know. Is it really, really that good? I yeah, mean, I mean, yeah. I don't think it's like ban worthy level. Like I'd say, Ragavan's more ban worthy than Channeler. Cards could be good and not ban worthy. Like the, the magic existed for like thirty years. <laughs> I don't know. I would give it like a solid like seven out of ten, but I'd probably put Ragavan like a nine out of ten. I'm not sure if we had some AI that could calculate how good a magic card is. I wouldn't be surprised if Chandler was a better card than Ragavan in Modern. The, that the, hurts. The, the card actually makes the the card Delver of Secrets is actually doing well in tournaments again. That I, I don't know if they're doing good because Delver is good again, or despite despite Delver, you know, and they're just getting carried by the other cards. But yeah, Dragon Ray Chandler, definitely the real deal. Cards just obscene. And one card I was wondering about is the, the Regent. Have you played with that card, Harry? Merktide Regent, the Delph creature? I've had so many YouTube comments. I've had so many messages. Please try out this card. I was going to try it out, but I never had the time. But my close friend, uh, Rasmus, was playing a lot with it. And I think he got three 5-0s with it in Blue Moon. So I, I do believe it's it's the real deal. Just playing four thought scour, and I think he was playing three regent um, in a shell, and it was very powerful. So I I definitely think it's um, better than Bedlam Reveler. I think when it was spoiled, I was saying to you guys that why would you ever play this over like Bedlam Reveler, right? But I I think the idea is that it's two mana, um, it's two mana faster than Bedlam Reveler because Bedlam Reveler is instant and sorceries only, right? Whereas the Merktide region is just Delve. Yeah. And I think we, that's why it's so powerful. We have a long history of Delve being a very, 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 very broken mechanic. And I've seen I've seen Merktide region in play a few times. It's been really impressive. You do have to make this decision when you're building your kind of blue-red deck, though. Like, are you going to be a Lurus deck or are you going to be a Merktide region deck? And they wind up looking a little bit different on paper. I mean, you know, you can access to, you know, region, but you also means you can get access to, like, cards like Blood Moon. But, you know, Lurus is Lurus, right? So yeah. yeah, I've only played the Lurus versions. I haven't played with Regent yet, but I can see the value in it. Yeah, I believe my first league was a blue red deck, and I was also super impressed by Unholy Heat. Nothing new if you've been playing these decks or watch yeah, I, someone same, like Spike play this deck. Great I was killing Kroxa. I could see winning games where you know you get paired against Titan and sure to get the trigger, but you still get to kill it for one mana. Shoots a Teferi on five loyalty, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That card is is as good as advertised by uh, by others. Yeah, we've we've seen a lot of uh, you know shake up in the modern format over over the last week or so. You know, particularly from you know addition of cards from Modern Horizons two. I've honestly been really enjoying enjoying the new format and like you know, we're seeing decks like Hammer Time do really well over the last two challenges. I picked up Urza Saga. That's a really good addition for that deck. Uh, Claudio um, playing black black green uh, Yogmoth combo again, doing well, and also um, what was the other day? Oh yeah, Lawhold. The Lawhold combo decks are the kind of uh, was it was it improvised creativity? Is that what it's called? 
in the in the in the metabolic creativity indomitable creativity yeah yeah so yeah indomitable creativity into law hold uh, casting time walks save of the moment uh that sort of stuff that deck did really well on the challenges this weekend as well so we haven't had time to kind of talk about these we're going to wrap the episode up but we'll probably get around to talking about those in, de- in detail next week shall we put our lives on the line though yeah, life's on the line, and I got a good card for the the the, the Price is Right game. What about Merktide Regent? You know, it's mythic. It's kind of you know, okay. kind of not easy to pinpoint. All right, so we're gonna 15, guess how much Merktide Regent. Yeah, whoever gets closer. Fifteen euro. No. I feel like I always go last. I have an edge there, but okay, okay. You fifteen euro. Uh, I'm gonna say to... I'm gonna say six. I would have guessed I would have guessed fifteen actually because I know. I think on Magic Online, it's like more than that. Um, so you went 6, 15. All right, I'll go 12. Oh, the cheapest English copy. Oh, it's from a Russian seller with no, with no previous sales. So that could uh-huh. be a scam. So the next one is 13 euros 50. 13 oh, euros 50. straight up tie between me and Pat. Yeah. So I will split the glory this week. Uh, and I'll just take the L. Okay, fine. Well, let's put our lives on the line. For those new listening, you don't know what life on the line is. It's a theoretical tournament. Tomorrow, if you win the event, you live, you lose, you die. you got to bring a modern deck. I'm going to be bringing Blue Moon with four Ragaman in the main. I'm going to show these guys that's ban-worthy. What are you guys bringing? My heart says Living End, but my head says Blue-Red Prowess was for the basically the list that won the challenge. No, no Ragavans, but four Dragon Rage Chandlers on top of the Swift Spear. It's basically Chandler replacing Sprite Dragon. And you still have Swift Spear, Soulscar Mage, and Entity. What about you, Pat? I'm bringing some kind of blue-red Ragavan deck, whether it's got Blood Moon in it or not. I think I'll just keep playing the Lurus version that I've been doing well with the last couple of days. So we're um, all on blue-red, some kind yeah. of blue-red deck. Hey, it's... Yeah, if we're all on blue decks, it's it's in flavor with the podcast, and then you know, Ragavan's just flavor of the month at the moment. Is it is that the gathering? Classic. Okay, well, Gab, where can we find you on the internet? Twitch.tv slash yellowhat and on Twitter at Gab Massif. Cool, you can find me on the internet, Harry G. Pat, what about you? Um, I don't know where you can find me. I'll just be around. If you made it this far into the episode, we appreciate you for listening. I guess we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Later.